apologize. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. It's your weekly dose of all things geeky. Class is paying 101. The instructor's Casey Jones. Movies, comic books, movies based on comic books. Excelsior! Video games, toys, TV shows. Professional wrestling. It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> All the things you got made fun of for in high school. Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't start some shit? So grab your action figures, bag and board your comics, and roll for initiative. It's time to talk nerdy to me. Hello there. It's your favorite host in all of podcastum, Obi-John Kenobi, coming to you with an all-new installment of our ongoing, um, I guess you could call it series within a series. Um, this is Talk Nerdy 2 Electric Boogaloo. Or sorry, this is, what did we say last week? Um, talk Nerdy 2, The Dawn of the Rise of the Return of the Judgment Day Boogaloo. Yes. Yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> this is Talk Nerdy to me. I'm Obi John Kenobi. Joining me this week from somewhere in time and space via the flux capacitor, it's the Doc. Game over, man. Game over. I was getting short, too. Two more weeks and out. 17 hours we're not gonna 17 days we're not gonna last 17 hours man that's great why don't you put her in charge affirmative ah moment of silence for the greatest greatest character ever portrayed in a military movie pmc hudson or pvc whatever yeah no pfc there we go pfc hudson Anyway, okay. This week, uh, we're coming to you another installment. It's about roughly once a month we're doing these uh, State of the Franchise episodes. Um, We've already done State of Star Wars, State of Star Trek, and most recently we did the State of the DC Extended Universe Movies franchise. This week, it's just me and the Doc talking about, I think it's safe to say, a franchise we are both probably a little too obsessed with. Um, yeah. yeah, we are doing the state of alien or the alien universe, whatever. I, it doesn't really have a cinematic universe name. The state of the xenomorph movies, alien verse. No, there you go. Xenoverse. <laughs> uh, so usually the way we format these is we look back at what we've gotten recently, uh, what films and, and, and licenses, uh, you know, things in that IP we've gotten recently. Uh, then we take a look at what we know is coming down the pipeline, and then we conclude it with what we want to see. It's going to be a little different this week because uh, we're going to sort of change these up to fit whatever franchise we're talking about. And Alien is in a little bit of a weird place, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So before we jump right into things, <sighs> Jay. Before we jump into this, why don't we let our viewers or listeners know exactly where it is we're coming from. Tell me, number one, what's your favorite movie in the franchise? And number two, how did you when did you first discover the alien movies? What was your what's your earliest fond memory of the alien movies? Uh so 
This is a tough question. Um, it depends on my mood. Which one's my favorite? Okay. If I'm if I'm down for uh, shoot 'em up action galore with some good jump scares and really good character development, I'm gonna watch Aliens. Um, if I want a slow burn, you know, kind of makes you cringe at the end edge of your seat and like cringe in a good way, I'm gonna watch Alien. Okay. Uh, so to me, and, and I know it sounds like a cop out, but it's a tie between those two, Alien and Aliens. Um, just because, like I said, it depends on the mood. They are two completely different films, which is what I love, actually. Uh, cool. That they cool. can they can be so different. Um, pick 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 one. Pick one. Pick one. You get one. You know, wishy washy. I'm gonna go with the OG Alien. The okay. first one. Okay. Respectable. Um, it's every time I watch it, I think to myself what it would be like to be in a dark movie theater in 1979 having no idea what's going to happen. Hell yeah, and man. It, it just gives me chills. Like right now, it's like, ooh, like that chest burster scene. To see that on screen, not knowing that major twist. Like, you yeah. think everything's good, and then, poof, there it is. Oh, such a good movie. Um, but my first experience with the Alien franchise is going to be shocking to you, John. Is what? It's going to be shocking. Okay. It was Alien 3. Oh. Uh, my parents had it on VHS in the uh, section of the unspeakable movies we do not watch that are rated R that, of ah. course, I watched. When the as soon as they go to sleep, you pull them out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, Alien 3. Huh, I wonder what this is. Had no idea what was going on. So you Who thought you'd was. just jump right into the third movie and you'd be good to go. Yeah. I was okay. like, let's do this. You know what? It worked with Star Wars. I jumped straight into Return of the Jedi. So I was like, All right. All right. Alien 3. Let's do this. Let's rock Fair and enough. Roll. Fair and enough. So I had no emotional connection to Hicks or Newt. Uh and Bishop was just like, I'm like, what is this thing puking all over the place? Like, I'm so confused. And then the the end of the movie where she's like, you know, this is Ellen Ripley, last survivor of the Nostromo signing off. And I was like, the what? <laughs> oh, uh, and then later on in my life, I actually came across the first one, I think on USA on a late night movie a thon during the summer. Yeah. And it, it came on at like midnight and I watched the letters appear on screen alien. And I went, Hey, I've seen the third one. This must be the first one. And so I watched it. <laughs> but that is that's nice. my, yeah. And thanks to somebody, uh, you know, who's here with us right now. Uh -huh. I got to see the second one as well for the ah. first time. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I, uh, I remember vaguely having that conversation of coming over to your house one night 
and discovered you'd never seen aliens. And be like, what? You've never seen aliens? It was one of those like, bro, this movie's gonna change your life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this is everything you love about movies in one movie. Um. So yeah, uh, my favorite, hands down, is Aliens. Uh, and that is not to say anything about any of the other films in the franchise. Uh, Alien is a a classic of sci-fi horror, uh, and you can always you can. There's many ways to judge the success of a film: box office gross, critic reviews, fan uh, um, um, words are hard again. Uh, fan perception. There's lots of different yeah. ways to judge the success of a film. Um, there's one I learned from watching Uncle Joe Bob, which is judge a film by how many knockoffs it inspires. And if you're going right. to do that, uh, Alien is head and shoulders above pretty much every movie in the sci-fi genre. And as far as how many knockoffs it inspired, uh, just in, in the same way, Die Hard basically gave birth to an entire subgenre of action movies. You know, those movies where it's Die Hard on a blank. You know, Speed is Die Hard on a bus. Uh, yep. Die Hard 2 is Die Hard in an airport. Uh, Die Hard on a boat. You know, Die Hard spawned this whole thing of, of movies where the plot is just Die Hard, change location. Uh, Alien spawned a whole bunch of movies where it's Alien, swap out the location. It's Alien underwater. Yep. Uh, it's it's alien only it's on a different ship it's alien on a space station uh, you could even yep. argue uh, uh the thing is alien in the arctic which we'd, we'd, we'd get to later in alien versus predator but we're getting way ahead of ourselves now uh but like <laughs> alien it, because it was so simple uh in its premise it's essentially a stalker or a slasher movie on a spaceship swap out the guy with the hockey mask and the machete with a creature that's alien. Yep. It was one of those. And again, it was made for a very low budget at the time. So a lot of people jumped on that bandwagon. of, Oh, we can do that. Roger Corman uh, and his, his studio new world cinema cranked out at least three or four alien clones. Um, so yeah, that, and then um, I'm a guy that never really got into horror into the last, you know, maybe like five years. Uh, so I've gotten a whole new appreciation of Alien. But Alien was always the one movie where, like, when, like, Conan or Flanagan would talk about horror movies and stuff, I could point to Aliens like, I love Alien. That's a great yeah. horror movie, right? Um, that being said, personal tastes. And that is the only differential between, I think, Alien and Aliens is what does your personal taste go to more? Uh, as I remember watching the my first encounter with alien and i've talked about this on the show before so i won't go through the entire story but there used to be a ride at disney world called the great movie ride you went around on a tram through different scenes from famous movies reenacted by animatronics one of these scenes you come around the corner suddenly you're on a spaceship and i was like oh wow this is awesome because it's 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 a recreation of the Nostromo done by disney so you know it looks well looks very uh accurate uh, and then as you're coming around the corner, uh, the narrator gives you the, you're on the spaceship Nostromo. The crew has been picked off one by one. And then you, there's an animatronic Sigourney Weaver holding a flamethrower. I'm like five. So to me, the only thing I know of Sigourney Weaver is Ghostbusters. 
And I'm like, why is Dana Barrett on a spaceship holding a flamethrower? What's what's going on? What's what's up with this? And as I'm staring intently at Sigourney Weaver with the flamethrower, out of the ceiling pops out a giant animatronic xenomorph. Uh, and I'm sure it wasn't, but it felt at the time like he was, you know, two inches away from my face. Because, um, you know, memories breed that way. Scared the shit out of me. I uh, never wanted to go on that ride again. I never wanted to hear the word alien again. It was my trigger word for a couple of years. But then you grow up a little bit, and some of that fear turned into morbid curiosity, I guess. And I couldn't help myself. My buddy Colin Dreyer hooked me up, and we binge-watched the first couple of movies all in one night. Because uh, I had to know more about this thing suddenly. And I remember him telling me before we watched the second one, because he'd already seen it. He was like, the second one's cool because they have like uh, uh, army guys and guns and spaceships. And I'm like, what? Huh? huh? Like everything he mentioned had like perked my interest more and more. Uh, and then as soon as I got my first glimpse of the Colonial Marines, that was it, man. Uh, that was my movie. That's my jam. Uh, I love everything about Aliens. Uh, and again, the genius, I think, of Aliens is it's a sequel that doesn't try to repeat what the first movie did at all. The first movie right. is solid horror movie. The second movie is a war movie in space. And, yeah. And, yeah. By changing up genres, they avoided a lot of the pitfalls of sequels where it's not just rehashing the same thing again. They took the, the characters and the, the world uh, created by the first movie and, went to a whole different corner of that universe. Uh, and some of it logically makes sense. You know, if you're Ripley, why the fuck would you ever go back into that situation again? And I think yeah. Cameron found good ways that she's, she survived physically, but not mentally. So she's going back to heal those scars. She's surrounded by a squad of ultimate badasses. Um, like, you know, he Cameron did a really good job of, of of logicking why someone would go back to that, and of course, it all goes wrong because uh, it's a movie. Yeah. But um, yeah, those first two, and again, judge a movie's success by its knockoffs. Starship Troopers, the novel, may have come first, but as far as putting futuristic space military on screen, nobody beats Aliens. And everybody from Halo to the actual Starship Troopers movie borrowed, I'll be nice, I'll say borrowed from Aliens. Yeah. How many movies have you watched where we got a distress call from a space station and now we have to go investigate what happened? Like, that's everywhere. Everywhere. Everyone's, you know, like, you know, that that's every episode of every sci-fi show has an episode like that where it's basically Aliens for an episode. Uh, uh, Doom does that. Like everyone did that, or has done that. You still see movies with that exact same plot structure, uh, and and you know budget colonial marines. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the, that's where. Uh, so that, what? And the reason I brought that up is I wanted everyone to know where we're coming from as fans. Um, I think our love is really for the first two films. Not to say anything necessarily terrible about uh, Alien Three or Alien Resurrection. Um, but we'll go ahead. So the, the first part of this, which we've already kind of covered is what have we gotten? And the whole reason we're here is those first two movies, man. Uh, Alien Alien. yeah, those first two movies are hollowed ground. As far as movies go, like they are, uh, cream of the crop. Uh, they're what everyone wants to be, what everyone wants to make. 
Alien 3, I'll just say, if you don't know anything about the production of Alien 3, Google it. Because yeah. the story of the making of Alien 3 is more interesting and has more plot twists than Alien 3. It is textbook how not to make a movie. Uh, an entirely different script was greenlit, was being cast, and had sets under construction when the studio said, we're not sure we want to do this. Fired the director, <laughs> recast, and then tried to redo, uh, rework sets that were already built to fit this new script, which was never really completed, uh, that the producers came in and, and tried to rewrite on the fly, hiring a young up-and-coming director because they, they liked his uh, visual aesthetic and thinking they could just control him. Uh, which turned out to be David Fincher, one of the greatest filmmakers of our generation. Um, but he's he's the guy that made Seven and uh, um, Fight Club and Zodiac, a great filmmaker. Uh, but to this day, we'll not talk about Alien 3. That's a bad of it. You know, it was his big break in the business, and he won't talk about it now. <laughs> that tells you all you need to know about Alien 3. Uh, Alien Resurrection was a oh. weird fucking movie. It's you know what Alien Resurrection. This is the way I like to think about okay. Alien Resurrection. Alien Resurrection is a is a serviceable alien movie, like in the Alien Aliens context. It is a serviceable alien movie uh-huh. until you get to Ripley's clones and the Queen having a baby. Then then shit kind of goes haywire. Yeah, like I mean the rest of it isn't great but i think that the the movie works on paper yeah the execution of that not so much um like if you just sat down and read the script and imagined it in your head it works okay then you watch the movie and you're just like that's not what i had in mind at all which is pretty much how joss whedon feels about that yeah Uh, so yeah that's um that is not what I meant, guys. Um, and then this, I, this is something I guess we should have clarified before. But do you consider Alien vs Predator and Alien vs Predator Requiem part of the Alien universe? There, so you get this crossover blend. Um, to me, AVP is more of a Predator type film. Uh-huh. Like it to me, it fits more into that universe. Um, as because the aliens in Alien versus Predator are just they're the like they're just there to be killed, right? Um, in AVPR, that has it's not a great movie at all, pretty terrible, but it has more of an alien feel to it, if that makes sense. Okay, like if I if I tried to classify them i would say you're gonna sit down and watch the first avp as like from the predator point of view and with like the knowledge of those movies in your in your back pocket and watch avpr kind of like with the knowledge of alien movies in your back pocket because it i i get what you're saying i just yeah i would completely reverse that order Really? I think I think the first one has more alien stuff in it, and the second one is much more predator heavy. I uh, yeah, I get I get what you're saying. Like okay, 
I get, yeah, I agree with you that the focus of the first one is a lot more alien stuff that you uh-huh. get to see, but it's got a predator feel. And then the second okay. one has a lot more predator stuff, but it's got an alien feel. Like the tone? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, either way, um, neither of those films are considered canon in the alien timeline. So other than the random uh, jokes and, and nods here and there, that's about all you're going to hear us talk about the Alien vs. Predator movies um, in this show. Right. Because neither uh, one of them were considered canon. Unless me. it's got the sleigh ride of friendship. <laughs> Fucking sleigh ride of friendship. <laughs> uh, it's, I'll say this about AVP. It's a bad movie, but it is, it is at the top of my guilty pleasure list. Um, at least once a year, we would you know, break that out. Like, we don't even call it. Alien Rich Predator. It's referred to in my house as Slayer Rider Friendship. So <laughs> we'll just be like, uh, what do you want to watch tonight? I don't know. Slayer Rider Friendship. Slayer Rider Friendship! Uh, and the first like 20-30 minutes of that movie I'm like, this is not as bad as I remember it being. Was I being harsh to this movie? Do I remember it being worse than it really is? Was I too hard on it the first time I watched it? And then about an hour in like, nope, nope, this is shit. Nope, this is pretty bad. But we're already in, so we're gonna we're gonna finish we're gonna finish it out, you know. Put the quarter, and we're gonna let the whole yeah. song play. Uh, but no, it's I know it's bad, but I enjoy it uh, mostly because I haven't got anything better to fill the void with yet. But uh, we'll move right. on. We'll move on. Um. So, pro. So here. So here's. Huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're we'll get into so some quick numbers. Um. Going into um what we've gotten so alien was 1979 aliens was 86 alien 3 was 1991 and resurrection was 97 i'm gonna give you some numbers these are the rotten tomatoes scores for these movies uh the first number is the critic score which is an average of all the critics scores put together or averaged together the second number is the audience score which is all the viewers who have rated it and their scores added, uh, averaged out together. So Alien, critic score, 98. Audience score, 94. Ali- Aliens, critic score, 97. Audience score, 94. That's solid. Rarely do you yeah. see a sequel only drop one point below the original film. Uh, those are solid numbers. Alien 3... Takes a little bit of a dive. Critic score, 44. Audience score, 47. Good Lord. Resurrection comes back a little bit. Critic score, 55. Audience score, 39. Then we take a steep dive off whatever's left of the shallow end of this pool. Alien versus Predator. Critic score, 21%. Audience score, 39. A little more favorable. Alien vs. Predator Requiem, 12% critic score. (laughs) 30% audience rating. So, going into, if you can jump in the Wayback Machine for a moment here, Doc. 2012 Prometheus. Build as a prequel to the original Alien with Ridley Scott, the director of the first film, returning uh, with, with his hand-picked writer uh, to, to write the screenplay. Him directing with an all-star freaking cast. 
not like not only that not only do you know that's what's coming every single preview and trailer you saw for that film had the alien um the same sound effects as the alien trailer from yep. 79 the music so you're like effects, yeah i i was so stoked for that movie yeah, I think we we all were. It was it was for years, for decades, people had talked about Ridley Scott coming back to to do an Alien movie, or James Cameron. You know, every few years there'd be rumors of uh, of one of the two of them coming back to maybe do an Alien Five, or Sigourney Weaver would drop a hint of, "Hey, would you do another Alien movie?" And she'd say, "Well, no. Well, maybe if Ridley or, or James did one, maybe I'd come back." But you know, there was always that like glimmer of hope. But it was one of those things where it was like. It's never gonna happen. Like that's that'd be cool, but it's never gonna happen. Really, Scott was too busy off making you know Gladiator and, and all the other movies he made uh, post Prometheus. Um, and same with James Cameron. James Cameron was busy making one movie a decade that came out and slaughtered box offices every decade. Um, like they were they were moving on to greener pastures, and then all of a sudden something happened. Something happened. The stars aligned, and Ridley Scott was gonna come back. And, and then Prometheus. Yeah. Um it's I it I, still hurts me. I've got a love hate relationship with this movie. And to this day, I am I have the most mixed relationship to this movie. I can't say I hate this movie, but I can't say I like this movie. I can happily say that I do hate this. <laughs> well, good. So, I, yeah, my feelings are not mixed. But no, anyway, let me, before we dive into why we hate it, uh, again, it has a fantastic cast. Uh, yeah, a cast anyone would kill for Idris Elba. Um, I'm gonna forget everyone's name now. I already forgot everyone's name now. Um, what's her name from Atomic Blonde? Yeah, uh, Michael Fassbender is, is David. Uh, I forgot everyone's name. It's got a great cast. You can tell I did my homework on this episode. Um, Charlize Theron, there we go. Uh, yeah. An amazing cast. It's got absolutely spectacular production value. And by that, I mean the des- uh, production uh, uh, design, the way the ships look, the way the suits look, the props, everything about that movie, is the, the, the production design is Gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. The cinematography throughout is fantastic. It looks like money. It looks great. It looks like good, high, uh, high budget sci-fi, which you don't get enough of anymore. You get a lot of crappy CGI sci-fi, but this was all right there on the screen. It looks really good. Um, and you get a couple of scenes that are legit terrifying. Uh, and you don't see a lot of good, actual, terrifying sci-fi horror anymore. It usually ends up being just like giant, drilling, slimy monsters. But um, the med pod scene, I think, stands toe-to-toe with the original chestburster scene as far as uh, scenes of absolute terror. Uh, and then to a lesser extent, the, uh, whatever it is, the snake uh, facehugger thing um, was pretty terrifying. Uh, it, it sort of repeated the beats of a facehugger without being full on a spa- uh, facehugger, which I appreciated. Um, 
Yeah, that's all I have good to say about this movie. Uh, but those elements alone are enough to make me stay. This is not a complete waste of time. Yeah. But it's got oh. issues. It's got issues. Um, Jay? I wish I could say the same, that <laughs> it's not a complete waste of time. After I left theaters, I was like, why? I waited this long to see this in theaters and was so, so excited and I walked out and I was like, what happened to the alien prequel I was promised that I was teased by? Uh, instead, I got, you know, um, Ridley Scott's 2001 A Space Odyssey, you know? Yeah. Uh... I I wanted to run away from it like Charlize Theron ran away from that. Uh, ship. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> Believe me, that's on my list. <laughs> um, but it just, I, I had, I think, I guess yeah. I never really leveled my expectations of, because I was so stoked as an alien fan and the way it was sold, I, I'm sorry, but the way that it was sold to me was as an alien prequel. Yes, there was no mistake about that, and I'm with you. That is, I still think, the biggest issue with that movie, and it's why I think people are coming around to it a little bit more nowadays, but the marketing for that movie was inescapable, and every bit of marketing for that movie said this is an alien prequel because that's not an accident. That was intentional. The studio was selling you an alien prequel. That is not the movie Ridley Scott made, and it was not the movie he ever set out to make. Go look at any interview with Ridley Scott before that movie came out when people ask him about it being an alien prequel, and his default answer was, well, it has the DNA of an alien movie. He was very much telling the audience this is not really an alien movie. It sort of fits in that world, but this is not an alien movie. And as interested as Ridley Scott may have been when they first started, because this project began life as exactly that, as a straight-up prequel to Alien uh, that would answer the questions fans had had since 79 of how did that ship... Sorry. How did that ship get on that planet with those eggs on it? Yep. Questions that had been left unanswered since 79 and the questions we thought we were finally going to get answers. And it started out that way. And then Ridley Scott, as directors do, got interested with other aspects of sci-fi, namely artificial intelligence. He got less and less interested in making a horror movie, making an alien movie. He has zero fucking interest in the Xenomorph, and we'll get to that later on. Um, So what you got was a well-produced, well-directed, beautiful-looking, well-cast sci-fi movie that was contractually obligated to somehow fit itself inside the alien universe, which is pretty much what Prometheus is. I feel like the less of an alien fan you are and the less you know about the alien franchise going into Prometheus, the more you will enjoy Prometheus because you're not looking for the connections. You're just letting the movie play out. And I can tell you the moment I pretty much checked out of Prometheus was in their briefing scene on the ship when they pull up the the planet maps and say, this is where we're going. And it says LV two, two, three. It's like, um, like my hand shut up. Like I was that annoying kid in class. Like, "Uh, excuse me, that's not the right homework. Uh, I was like, um, 
That's the wrong planet, guys. Four two six. This is where we're supposed to be going. Yeah. You're yeah. way off. You're 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 double digits off. Like multiple, you know, double that number, and then we're good. What's why? Huh? But I was like, okay, 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 okay. It's really Scott. He's got a plan. I'm just gonna let his plan play out. He's going. He's playing against my expectations. We're not going right to that planet. Okay, okay. What do you got, Ridley? Yeah. It pains me to even talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, so for much, you, good. I was gonna say as much as this one pains me. I'm sure we'll get to the next one. Oh, but. it's yeah, it's coming. Uh, so for for years, I was of the mindset of I'm not a huge fan of Prometheus, but I can't write it off as being a bad movie because there's a lot of good elements to it. I can't say it sucks; just I don't like it. It wasn't what I wanted it to be, and it was again one of those films where, like, at least once a year, I'd break it out and watch it again, and be like, "I'm I've got to be missing something, man. It can't be that bad." Am I just that much of a, you know, pissed off fanboy? Like, there's got to be more to it than that. And every time I watch it, I find more reasons for me to say, no, it's just a bad movie. Reasons like massive plot holes, uh, complete lack of logic. Uh, These are some of the smartest people in the universe making some of the dumbest fucking decisions we've ever seen in a horror movie. And that's like... Horror 101, if your people are going to make dumb decisions, you've got to justify why they'd make that dumb decision or the audience checks out. Uh, to, to go with the scream stereotype of the, the big-titted blonde being chased by the serial killer who runs upstairs instead of out the front door, you got to justify why they're going upstairs instead of out the front door or the audience is going to check out. This movie features a uh, cartographer who has three-dimensional flying drones to map out uh, sections of this alien uh, uh, complex who gets fucking lost. Yep. His whole goal is to map out this section, and we see the map being generated back on the ship in real time as these drones are mapping out all the tunnels. He gets lost. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We have scientists who, as soon as they land on an alien planet and get inside a structure on an alien planet, take off their helmets. We have David, who is encountering this race of, of the engineers, who, as far as we as the audience are aware, he's never seen before, never met before. But as soon as he gets inside the complex, he knows how to read their language. He knows how to speak their language to them, and he knows how to operate all their machinery. Yeah. Okay. Are we? Did I miss a scene? Did I fall asleep? Did I check out? Nope. Okay. No explanation for that at all. Uh, and then my personal favorite. I said we get back to it. The CEO of a company, presumably somebody with reasonable intelligence, and our hero scientist are running away. From the derelict, or not the derelict, the uh, whatever it's called, the 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 engineer spacecraft, as it's crashing and rolling towards them, and the only way they can run to get away from it is in a straight fucking line directly in the path of the ship. Yep. They can't run to the left or the right to get out of the path of the ship. They just keep running in the path of the ship. I uh, yeah, I really sure enjoy a cool shot for the trailer though. <laughs> I uh I really enjoy Cinema Sins, so shout out to Cinema Sins. Oh, yeah. 
And he always brings up whenever somebody runs in a straight line away from something, he says, ah, they attended the Prometheus school of running away from things. <laughs> and it, um, it, yeah. Uh, th- this also goes to, did you watch lost Jason? I've, I've never seen lost. No. Okay. Don't, um, a lot of the sins, uh, this movie rightfully or wrongfully, I place at the feet of the person who ultimately got writing credit on it. A guy named Damon Lindelof, who took over duties on Lost when J.J. Abrams went on other stuff. Uh, he is a guy who loves. He he read somewhere that good uh, science fiction and, and good movies should raise more questions than they answer. And I think that's. A, I think that could be wrong. I think that's a quote from um, um, uh, Clark, the guy who wrote Two Thousand One. I can't think of his full name now. Uh, anyway. Uh, and yes, yes, great science fiction should raise more questions than it answers. But those questions are supposed to be big, lofty philosophical questions like, where do we come from? Why are right. we here? Not questions like, how did we get here? How does he know how to do that? Why can't, how did he get lost? Why, why are we, what is that? What? Not basic questions about the plot of the movie. Oh, oh! Here's a good question to bring up. Why okay. is there? Why is there like a depiction of a xenomorph above the giant Easter Island head, but there are no xenomorphs? Yeah, that giant uh, 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 mural thing on the wall. Yeah, what's? Did the art department just go crazy? Yeah, um, <sighs> and and. Anytime I see that that day, anytime I see Damon Lindelof's name on a movie, I just check out because I'm like, oh great, here we go. This movie's not going to make any goddamn sense because uh, that's his school of writing. Uh, and again, right or wrong, I placed a lot of blame at his feet on that because he ended up getting a writing credit on it, and he's he's he he thinks he's all mysterious with it. And it's like, no, dude, like you, sh- we should understand the plot. We should understand what's happening. We should understand why a character is doing something. What motivates them. We should, there's, there's such a thing as too much mystery and not knowing doesn't create a mystery. Not knowing is just bad writing. If you don't explain shit, like why does, how does David know how to speak to the, the engineers that doesn't create mystery about David. That creates a plot hole. But anyway, we'll move on. So Prometheus (laughs) comes out. Let me give those numbers again. Prometheus has a critic score of 73%. User score of 68%. So we're an improvement over the last several movies in the franchise. That yep. places it third after Alien and Aliens. Um, but not exactly a home run. Uh, so around this time when Prometheus came out, they were they were planned for several sequels for Prometheus to be in development. Really, Scott said he would make four or five or six of them. Uh, he was all about franchising. Uh, I think he figured out he could cash in lots of paychecks if he just kept turning out alien movies with his name on it. Um, so Scott said, really Scott at the time said the next film would not feature any Xenos, but the cast would return. Uh, when asked about the Xenomorphs, he said, and this is a quote, no, the beast is done, cooked. So there you have the director of Prometheus saying the beast, being the Xenomorph, is done. Ugh. On the one hand, I kind of get where he's coming from, which is that the cat's already out of the bag. 
part of what makes that first film so fantastic is you have no idea what this thing is. And until the very end of the movie, and even at the end of the movie, you never quite get a good look at it. It's always pieces of it. It's always the head, the mouth, an arm, a tail. Or if you do see the body, it's at a canted angle, or it's a quick shot, or the alien's in a weird position. You never quite get a good look at it. Aliens basically ruin that. Aliens, you've got swarms of them coming. And again, I'm never bad thing about aliens because i fucking love aliens but as far as the 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 mystique of the xenomorph and the terror from not knowing what it is aliens does a very good job of of laying out here's what these things are here's kind of how they operate so in that sense i agree with ridley scott the mystique of the xenomorph has worn off i mean it's 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 fucking action figures and dolls. And I can go to Walmart right now and buy a kid's playset for 10 bucks that has a Xenomorph action figure in it. Like, yeah, it's it's been commercialized. It's no longer, you know, in the same regard as it was back in 79. That being said, think I speak for all fans when I say, fuck you, Ridley Scott. I want the goddamn Xenomorph. Yep. Right uh, in your stupid face. <laughs> and apparently Fox thought very much the same way. Uh, because then in 2015, uh, Fox announced that uh, Ridley Scott will be making two more movies uh, to form a Prometheus trilogy. The next one would be called Alien Paradise Lost. That was in September of 2015 they announced it. Uh, in November of that year, they announced the title was changed to Alien Covenant. And then the third film would be called Alien Awakening. Uh, and it would very much feature the xenomorph which brings us to our second movie in the what we've gotten alien covenant which hit theaters in 2017 which was very much appeared to be a step back in the direction fans wanted first of all it had alien in the title it's a good step right and uh the advertising made sure to feature a xenomorph so you knew there was a xenomorph in the movie dumpster fire wow Sorry. Going straight for the jugular on that one. Don't let up. Keep going. I mean, it's, yeah, okay, it's got a xenomorph in it. But why is it that a movie that features a xenomorph in it all of a sudden decides to go full-on Prometheus 2 halfway halfway through it, and we have to watch uh, Michael Fassbender basically making love to himself, saying, I'll do the fingering, and you just kind of sit there for a minute going, what in the fuck is happening in this movie right now? When when did I board the crazy train and can I get off? Um, I mean, it's, it, it's like it took all the stupidity from Prometheus for scientists and doubled down. We, we don't even need to worry about taking our helmet off. We're just going to go without complete helmets. Oh, don't wander off by yourself and touch these unknown organisms. Let me just play with these flowers. Let me smoke a cigarette on this alien planet where I might not inhale something completely toxic. Oh. By the way, this episode is now going to be titled, You Do the Fingering Will Blow. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I just, I mean, like. No, you're on a roll, man. (laughs) 
It was a, it was just a shit storm. It was a crazy ass shit storm of that. I mean, for God's sakes, you had James Franco in this movie and you burned him to death in the first 20 seconds. You, if you did not watch the pre-movie movie, you had no idea that James Franco was even the captain. Except for the pictures. Can I, and then, can I, go, on, can I go on a mini rant real quick? Yeah, yeah, go, go. The, the pre-movie movies for Prometheus for Covenant. First of all, the fucking bullshit. Those are scenes that got cut from Covenant that they put out on the internet to like entice you into it. And one of them was the entire fucking story of what happened to Shaw, which was supposed to be the whole point of this goddamn movie. But right. Shaw is nowhere our hero from Prometheus, who is standing there with the head of, of uh, David uh, about to, to, to go off on some adventure to track down the engineers. Our hero, our, our protagonist, our new Ripley, is completely written out of this second movie. You never even fucking see her the whole movie. The only scenes yeah. they brought uh, the actress back for ended up as deleted scenes on the internet. Yeah. The fuck? And, uh, it's... And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to say this. And I'm just, I'm sorry. But if any of the people who saw Alien Covenant after the David, was it Walter fight? Uh, yes, yes. Which, first of all, side note, David and Walter, uh, those are the names of the producers of the Alien. David Geiler and Walter Hill. Subtle, guys. <laughs> so... If after that David Walter fight scene, you actually believe that Walter came out on top, you should be slapped. The most obvious third act turn, the worst telegraph ever. I, it's like as soon as he came out, as no, even before then, as soon as David cut his hair, I was like, yeah, he's going to become Walter. You, yeah. Oh God! There's no subtlety to this movie whatsoever, and and again, you had a good cast. You had some yeah some really good talent in there, and they just went yeah no. Let's just piss this down our legs, guys. We got this under control. Oh, aliens fans, they're already pissed off about Prometheus. Let's give them Covenant. That'll bring them back around. So. What happened with this movie, essentially, was this is movie by way of compromise. Ridley Scott wanted to make a sequel to Prometheus. Fox wanted an alien movie. This is what we got. This was our compromise. Where Act 1 and Act 3 are a fairly run-of-the-mill alien story. Colony ship. We receive a distress beacon. Leads us to a planet that we overlooked the first time, and this planet has perfect conditions for human life. Maybe we should colonize here instead. Uh, then Act 2, like you said, Jay, right in the middle of the movie, we grind that alien story to a halt to have a Prometheus 2 sequel for 30 minutes, and then <laughs> we resume our alien movie, Our Progress, uh, which is Act 3 on the ship, with there's an alien on the ship, and uh, it's killing people, and then uh, not a bad alien story, but nothing we haven't already seen before. Uh, that th this was movie by way of compromise. Um, you know, I I just want to throw in one thing, and I know you'll probably appreciate this, but when I talk about this being a roller coaster of crazy, it even included the Zeno and David throwing their hands up in joy 
of riding the crazy coaster. <laughs> what the hell was that scene all about? Like, God. yeah. Um, <laughs> just it, nope. and, and again, even on. So again, take take the movie on its own merits. We got some really shitty CGI xenomorphs. Yeah, uh, and, and the thing that pissed me off the most is so in the first movie we're introduced to the black goo, uh, which the comic books later renamed the accelerant because it accelerates evolution. Uh, so I'm going to call it that because it sounds cooler than the black goo. Uh, so in, in Covenant we see the next sort of step in the black goo of the goo is now the accelerant is now uh, aerosol. It, it's in the air. Um, so now we've gone from. The xenomorph being this perfect organism, so perfect that it, it it's hard for some to believe it it, it it occurred that way naturally and that, you know, someone didn't engineer it, hence the engineers, um, come to find out, no, it's just a bored android stuck on a planet who was tinkering with some stuff. He created it. Uh, so it has this perfect life cycle of the egg, the face hugger, the chest burster. The full-grown, the queen who 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 uh, uh, starts the the colony, so on and so forth. This this thing that is like this perfect creature by way of of engineering. This movie completely makes that obsolete, because you now have uh, some mist, some black powder stuff in the air that, if it touches apparently any part of your body, like the inside of your ear. <coughs> Uh, will cause an organism to grow inside of you that will just burst out of your back or whatever part of your body happens to be there and grow into what's called the Neomorph, which is the smaller pale alien thing. Okay, why do we need Xenomorphs anymore then? Yeah. The threat of the Xenomorph was always, if it ever gets into a populated area, it's going to breed and spread and we're fucked. Because of how perfectly... Uh, uh, engineered, its life cycle is. It will it will take us over before we know what hit us. This stuff's even worse, but it happened hundreds of years before we ever found a xenomorph. So as muddy as the timeline was, thanks to Prometheus, now we've made the xenomorph obsolete because there's an even more efficient, more effective uh, biological organism that apparently existed before the xenomorph was done being cooked up by David and talk about taking the wind out of the sails of the xenomorph. You know, I talked a little bit ago about the, yeah, the shine on the xenomorph kind of being taken off a little bit. Uh, how badass was the, the xenomorph? Like yeah. we, we love it, right? It's a scary right. ass thing. It's an icon of horror. It's the greatest yep. movie monster ever made. It was designed by an Android. It was stuck on a planet and tinkered with some DNA and some black goo he found in an alien ship. That's where the xenomorph comes from. It doesn't have some giant homeworld. It wasn't, you know, a biological weapon made by an alien race that it then got out of control and killed them all. There's no xenomorph homeworld, guys. No, just David got bored and made him. Nope. I refuse. Talk about taking the piss, right? I'm retconning it myself. <laughs> uh, let me give you some numbers, Jay. 
Oh. Alien Covenant got a 65% Rotten Tomato critic score and a 55% uh, user score. So we're sliding backwards again. Uh, and the more important numbers for those, uh, Prometheus had a budget of $150 million. Not terrible. That's about what your average Marvel movie costs. Had a gross of $403 million worldwide. Not shabby. Not great. But not shabby. It got a sequel. Covenant, smaller budget, $97 million. Still nothing to be trifled at. That's a decent-sized budget. Total worldwide return, $240 million. So it made back its money, but it made uh, over half of what the previous one Which segues into our next topic. Uh, well, actually, but, uh, hold up. Got a few more things to interject. But that's it. So, yeah. The Alien movies, for fans, uh, have left us wanting. Yeah. I think, to, to put it lightly. But luckily, luckily, this isn't all bad. I don't want this whole show to be us just shaking this shit on, on these movies. There are, There is some good stuff. Yeah. Um, namely, 2014, uh, the greatest Alien video game ever made, Alien Isolation, came out. Um, I'm not going to dwell on that too much, but the gameplay is amazing. The level design is fantastic. The look perfectly captures that 1979 alien retro future design. Uh, have you played Isolation, Jason? I played it. Um, I didn't get all the way through it, but I have. Okay, played but you, you played it. Like, am I, it's fantastic, right? You're on this giant space station. There's one xenomorph. Uh, it's incredibly intelligent. It is survival horror at its best. You're trying to manage resources, hide from the alien, get the fuck off the spaceship. Uh, moments of real, pure terror. Yeah, it's good. It's good storytelling, too, in terms of, like, alien. Yes. Uh, the uh, the gameplay is great. And I, and I think you're right. Yeah, the story is even better because it introduces a character. Well, it introduce back up it picks up a character that kind of fell by the wayside <clears throat> in the director's cut of aliens we learn ripley had a daughter who died while ripley was still in cryosleep between the first two movies but other than that one scene we've never gone back to look at amanda ripley yep until alien isolation which to me is the genius move of that game, and the the story of that game is fantastic. I sadly I don't think it's ever going to get a sequel, but man, I wish it could, uh, because the entire idea of shifting focus to Amanda Ripley, genius. Yeah, and remember, put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that character. Um, but yeah, Alien Isolation was a fantastic game that really does a great job of creating that first movie. If you've ever wanted to live uh, out the experience of the crew of the Nostromo, pick up a copy. I'm pretty sure you can get one for less than 20 bucks now because it came out in 2014. Uh, but it's an, it's an amazing game. I, if you haven't played it, check it out. Uh, and then uh, just last year for the 40th anniversary of the original Alien, Fox uh, sponsored a bunch of fan-made shorts all set in the alien world 
Jay, I know you just binged them all like yesterday or today. Today. I binged them all today. Which mean? I started this morning with when I got done grading driver's ed tests. I watched like three of them. I watched one of them when we took our 15 minute break from driver's ed. Um, I watched another one before I left for driving. And then I watched the last one right when I got home before I got on here. Thoughts? Uh, I loved all of them. Um, differing amounts. There, there was one that I was not too keen on, but it was a great, great character exploration. Um, and there, my, I had favorites, <laughs> uh, but these are, you're talking nine, anywhere from like nine to 12 minutes, right? Yeah. You're not, I mean, you're not telling a whole long movie. And I completely disagree that the beast is quote unquote dead because they took it in different directions. There were all sorts of different ways they went with this, the whole premise. And it wasn't just like focusing on the alien. It was focusing on these people. Um, one really good one. I don't know. This might ring a bell for you was the one called specimen. Um, there's a woman working in a greenhouse and she's got a Doberman pincher uh-huh. and its name is Maggie. And like I said, I know this cause it's fresh in my mind. Um, and Maggie detects something in a soil sample and it turns out to be a face hugger egg. Uh, and then the rest of the short is her trying to find this face hugger and kill it while, while being locked out, locked in, in the same vicinity as it. Um, and spoiler, spoiler alert, the dog ends up killing the face hugger, but the dog dies in the process because of the acid blood. And I just, I was like, this is, this is that it was just so good. Yeah, they're all really good in their own in their own right. Uh, if you haven't watched them, you can. They're all on YouTube. Go to the Fox Alien channel. They're all right there. Uh, yep. None of them all- are more than fifteen minutes long, and they are a great, like you said, expansion of the Alien universe. Um, because they all explore different aspects of the Alien and the universe that the Alien inhabits, uh, featuring it's 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 amazing what talented filmmakers can do with a low budget one location and a handful of actors yep that's what made the first two movies in this franchise so fantastic was unknown directors ridley scott before he did alien had done one film the duelists before alien it put him on the map uh, same with uh, most of his cast were fairly unknown at the time. Low budget, but they used every bit of that budget. They got creative with the budget. They put all their effort into one alien, and it became the best guy in a suit ever done. Aliens, you take a guy like James Cameron, who who came up through uh, creature effects and the model shop and production design shop at Roger Corman's studio, Roger Corman, the king of B-movies. Uh, so this is a guy who built his whole career off of give me five bucks and I'll make it look like 5,000 bucks. Uh, his Terminator had come out, but I don't think it had even been released in, in, in Great Britain yet. It was still very kind of fresh. 
the the producers took a chance on they 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 believed in him unknown director fairly unknown cast obviously sigourney was was famous at the time but still a modest budget which forced them to be creative uh he 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 took that budget and put every dollar on the screen my favorite james cameronism of that movie is they could only build six cryo sleep chambers so to make it look like they had a whole room full of them he put a mirror at the end of the hall doubled the number of sleep chambers they had that's what i love about these shorts is it really captures that spirit of we don't yeah. need 150 million dollars and a cgi alien we just need a good story good actors in a believable location and we can yeah. go from there. Uh, and that's what I loved about these shorts is, is every one of them. My favorite was the, the mining one or I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, but again, yeah, they, they all explore different aspects of, of the alien and of the world of Wayland Utani and a, we're off colonizing planets and mining them and stuff like that. Um, but they were all done on small budgets with completely unknown actors and, you know, just just we have a story we want to tell, and it's in our favorite universe, and like they're all they're all great in their own right, um, which which hurts me because it's like take the two hundred and fifty million you spent on Covenant and Prometheus, give a fourth of that to one of these directors and watch what they can do with the franchise. You know? Yeah, um, I would. Uh, I would rather watch all six of those shorts. For, I mean, if you think about a combined total of time, you're maybe at like an hour, hour, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. I would rather watch all six of them on a loop for like three hours or four hours than watching Prometheus and Covenant again. (laughs) Because they, I just, they were alien movies. They're short, but they were alien. You know what I mean? Very much so. Well, again, I wanted to bring those up because I didn't want this just to be us taking a shit on the franchise because we we're here because we love this franchise and we want to see it succeed. We want to see it do well. Right. Um, so normally this is where we do the what's coming. Only in this case, it's more like, hey, here's what we're not getting. So I want to go through them fairly quickly. Jay, jump in when you feel like you want to. Um, okay. As previously announced, uh, Alien Awakening, the third movie in the uh, Ridley Scott prequel trilogy. Uh, It was announced uh, back in November of 2015. uh, Said to be, uh, again, the third movie in the prequel trilogy. Said to follow David after Covenant and uh, heavily feature the engineers. That's the last thing we've heard about Alien Awakening. Uh, Covenant came out, did not do well at the box office, did not do well critically. Um, they basically kind of shelved Alien. Um, around this same time that Covenant was being made, <sighs> Neil Blomkamp, director of District 9 and Elysium and Chappie, uh, basically pitched Fox his own idea for a pseudo retcon sequel. Uh, if you don't speak nerd, that means a sequel that would have completely ignored Alien 3 and 4 and been a direct follow-up to Aliens, 
uh, Sigourney Weaver was on board. He met Sigourney uh, while making Chappie and got to talking to her about Ellen Ripley. And Sigourney felt that Ella Ripley's story was left unfinished and really wanted to finish it. Loved the idea Neil had for the movie. Uh, it would have also brought back um, our favorite character, uh, other than Ripley. I think it's I think it's safe to say uh, uh, Corporal Dwayne Hicks is our favorite character, Jay. Yeah. I like to keep him handy for close encounters. There it is. Uh, would have brought back Michael Bean as as Hicks. Would have brought back the character of Newt now in her late 20s, early 30s. I don't think Carrie Henn would have come back because she's only ever acted in Aliens. She's a mom now. Uh, but that would have been the role for every up-and-coming actress in Hollywood to get. Uh, is, would have be playing Newt in this movie. Uh, would have... We don't know exactly what the plot would have been about. All we know was uh, from artwork that Neil Blomkamp has put up on his his social media stuff. Um, would have featured Whale and Yutani experimenting with aliens. We would have gotten some weird hybrid aliens. We would have gotten some techno alien drone kind of things, and lots of new space marines. Uh, we would have gotten uh, Hicks with this heavily scarred side of his face because of his wounds. Um, and it sounded like everything fans want from an alien movie. It was basically put on hold because Ridley Scott didn't want two alien movies being developed at the same time because uh, he didn't want to take away attention from his movie. Uh, so it got put on hold. And then Sigourney and Neil Blomkamp went off to work on other stuff. And then when Covenant tanked, uh it pretty much died poor neil yeah um neil has since uh, formed his own studio called oats studios you can find their channel on uh youtube they turned out a whole bunch of awesome sci-fi shorts uh with the intention of making one of them into a feature film based on reception online i don't know where they're at with that but there's at least 3 or 4 um they're like 20 minute long shorts. Uh, at least one of them features Sigourney Weaver, uh, but they're all just awesome, badass sci fi because that's what Neil Blomkamp does. Um, so check those out. Oats, O A T S Studios. Um, that's not happening. Awakening's not happening. I've got one last bullet in the chamber of the it's not happening, but goddamn, it would have been awesome files. Hey, Jay. Yeah. How would you like an aliens video game? That's described as a story world driven player versus environment multiplayer adventure shooter. I like all the things you just said. You would play as a mix of colonists and Marines on LV426 fighting xenomorphs and queens, on which there would be multiple queens and multiple hives on this planet. I like, I like these words. Think, these are words. Think destiny, but aliens. That's, I like, I'm on board. From 3D Realms, this game was called Aliens Hadley's Hope. That was the working title. And man, it would have been awesome, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Disney merger killed that. Oh. Yeah. So let's talk yeah. about the 8,000-pound gorilla in the room. 
because so again, this 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 segment is usually what's coming. Well, last year Disney acquired 20th Century Fox. So everything under the 20th Century Fox banner is now Disney, uh, with a few exceptions. Fox Sports is not because Disney already owns ESPN. Fox News is not because Disney already owns ABC. Uh, and I don't think the Fox TV network is part of that deal, but I could be wrong about that. I don't know. It's weird. Um, but Alien is now owned by Disney. Uh, one of the first things they did was change the name. It is no longer called 20th Century Fox. It is now simply 20th Century Studios. Yeah, there's a, a new head of 20th Century Studios. I think I've got some notes on that somewhere. Yeah, there's a new head of the studio. Um, basically, Disney is reevaluating everything that Fox had coming down the pipeline when they took over. Uh, a lot of things kind of got squashed. Um, if it wasn't basically, if it wasn't already in production, it's not happening. Uh, at least not on its original timetable, because Disney is trying to fix the ship of 20th Century Fox because your studio does not get bought out if you're doing well. Right. Um, so with that, we're in a place now where we don't really know what the fuck is happening with Alien franchise. We know Disney's not... When Disney takes something over, they want to make money on it. They spent uh, what was it, $70 billion to buy Fox? They're not just going to rest on that. They want their $70 billion back. So you look at the things Fox owns, and at the top of the list of IPs that you can make your money back on sits Alien. Yeah. It's already a franchise. So we know at some point we'll see more Alien stuff from 20th Century Fox. We have no idea what shape it's going to take. I have no idea if, if Ridley Scott is doing anything, uh, if, if Alien Awakening or the Prometheus film is, is happening at any stage. I have no, I have no idea. Honestly, if, I was, if I'm Fox from a business perspective, that's dead. We're fucking done yeah. with that. No one likes those. We're done. You, all you got to do is look at, look at the, the stats. They're right there. Go, go back to what people want. What did people want? The first two. Well, and that brings us to a sad little place, Jay, which is they've been trying to recreate the success of the first two since the first two. Since True. 1991 with Alien 3, we've been trying to get back mm. to those. And I think it's safe to say we've missed the mark. I'll put it politely. We missed the mark with yeah. every movie since then. Is it even fucking possible to get back to that level of the first two movies? I would like to think yes. If, um, if but, put in the correct hands. Very true. Uh, and, and that's, I think, where they really got lucky with the first two is, is again, up-and-coming, relatively unknown directors, and the first two they picked were Ridley Scott, Academy Award-winning director, and James Cameron, Academy Award-winning director. They're batting a thousand off those two. And even even the third one, David Fincher, fantastic filmmaker. If they just would have gotten the fuck out of his way, Alien 3 might not have been the train wreck. I mean, it still would have been a train wreck, but it might have been salvageable. Um, right. 
But, but I, that brings us to our final segment, which is what do we want from this franchise? Other than wow. Neil Blomkamp's Alien 5, which is literally at the top of my list. I want Neil Blomkamp's Alien 5. Disney, go call Neil, give him Alien back. Yeah. But apart um, from that happening. <laughs> to, I, I'll be honest with you. What I want is what I was promised with Prometheus way back when. I I want to know. I say this is. This is just me if I'm in Disney's seat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go. I'm the I'm the driver of 20th Century Studios. Yeah. And I say, okay, here's what we do: we cut off what is the dying part of our alien plant, which is three through everything, uh, including Prometheus and Covenant. Just chop it off, doctor that right out. You give Neil permission to go ahead and make a new Alien 3. Uh, and st- you go with that, but also give us the prequel we wanted. How did that ship end up on LV-426? Yep. Um, it's sad that two movies in, we still haven't answered those three questions. How did that ship get on that planet with those eggs? Two movies. Right? $250 million haven't answered those questions. It's it's kind of a simple question. I, yeah. I mean... You could have done it in one movie. You, you And you still can. I'll argue you still can. You could have done it in a 20-minute short. That's true. For, That's very for $10,000 on the internet, as the shorts and, proved. And see, what, what you said was something interesting, and I'm going to go back to what you said. Take some of that money, because Disney, let's face it, you've got oodles of money. Well, they just spent a shit ton with their whole streaming service in Fox, but they've got right. money to spend. Yeah, yeah, they're not strapped for cash. Right. Give some of that to one of those filmmakers from the shorts. Or a couple of them and have them team together. Something that kind of had the same tone and feel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. If you can find two that kind of link up in how the how they were made, their uh, the structure, and even though they're short, the character development. If you can get two people together, right? If you can do it with one, whatever, but just give one of them a chance to show yeah. what they could really do. Um, look, if nothing else, I mean, Disney is good at when, when they take over an IP. I look at Marvel. When they took over Marvel, they didn't try to change how Marvel did business. They saw Marvel as these guys are really doing something special. We want in on that. And when they bought Marvel, they didn't come in with a whole list of studio notes of you can't do this, you can't do that. We want you to make this, don't make that. They got out of the way of Marvel. And in fact, they took some of the obstacles out of Kevin Feige's way uh, with the MCU. Um, namely uh, the the former head of uh, Marvel TV, um, to make to keep Marvel doing what Marvel was doing. I'd very much like to see that continue with Fox. Uh, um, to get young, up and coming, i.e., cheap directors, writers uh, to work on this franchise 
which is still beloved by fans and still has every, you know, it's been 2017 since the last one. If we started working on one right now, it'd be two to three years before it actually hit theaters. So now you're talking five years since the last one. That's enough time for people to have kind of washed the covenant taste out of their mouth and, and, and want another alien film. If the Terminator franchise proved anything, it's that fans will keep giving you chances to make a good movie. Uh, yeah. That's another franchise we'll get to later. Um, you can do that, but look at what worked for you in the first two films and go back to that and look what's working now. Get back to some of that. Um, hold on. I had some yeah. notes for non-specific stuff, but yeah, go back to being moderate budgets. You know, you don't need $200 million to make an alien. movie. You don't, you can do it on, I mean, say what you want about the story of, of covenant. That movie didn't look cheap and that was made for less than a hundred million dollars with $97 million budget. They got great actors. It looked really good. CGI, maybe not so much, but I always say go for a guy in a suit over CGI when you're talking about the Xenomorph. Um, yeah. You can do an alien movie on like a $75 million budget. It doesn't need to be huge. And on a budget that low, if you hit $200 million worldwide, you got your money back. Uh, I call it the Bloomhouse method, even though it's been around way before Bloomhouse. But make your movies as inexpensive as you can don't skimp on the budgets but but keep them reasonable and then you don't have to make a billion dollars to recoup your costs you know when you look at movies like justice league where it cost them or or um uh, han solo had a uh the solo movie which we both enjoy but that movie had a final price tag of like 350 million dollars which yeah. means in order for that movie to break even, because whatever you spend to make the movie, the, the rule of thumb is double that. That's what you spent on advertising. So uh, double whatever it costs. You've got to make that just to get your money back. So with Solo, at $350 million, if it made less than $700 million, you weren't going to get the money back of making and promoting the film. So now you're pushing it to like, okay, it's got to make like $800 million. That's an insane amount of money. Yeah. I know movies like you know Avengers Endgame set, but you know movies like that can 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 break that. But you got to realize Alien's not in that same place. Alien yeah. might be a recognizable IP, but it's got some tarnish on it. You know, Marvel makes money because every Marvel movie gets better. Every Marvel movie builds on what came before it, and honestly, I feel every Marvel movie keeps getting better. They've they've really honed in how to make a great more uh, movie within their universe. So Marvel people will shell money out for because Marvel means quality. Pixar people will shell money out for because Pixar rarely makes a dud. I'm not saying they haven't ever, but rarely does, does Pixar make a dud. Alien, different story. Yeah, we've got and- mixed results at best. So keep your budget modest. Uh, get back to your horror roots because horror movies are always low budget, high yield returns. <clears throat> That's how you turn it around. And I think I think John, you'll agree with me when I say this because I think you and I are kind of in the same boat for this. We're not talking about make a fan service movie. We don't want a fan service movie. We want a good story in the alien universe. Don't just give us. Sigourney Weaver and be like, hey, here's Sigourney, you know. Yeah, give us Sigourney Weaver, but don't just hang everything on that. Um, 
And that's, fan service is is a tightrope because you want to give the fans what they want, but you yeah. don't want to give them just exactly what they want because that's boring. Uh, and that's again something Marvel does really great is giving you what you want, but not necessarily how you think you're going to get there. Um, so as far as creatively, uh, the thing I'm dying is besides explain giving us those three answers that we've been waiting for since 1979. Uh, some other stuff we've been waiting to see. You're a '90s kid, Jay. Yeah. How many different variations of the Xenomorph did we get toys of when we were kids? Oh, so many. I had a gorilla alien, mantis alien, gorilla alien, bull alien, cougar alien, tiger alien. How many of any of those have you seen in the movies? Saw a dog alien once. Yeah, we did see a dog alien. That's what I want. And that's one of the things that got me really excited about Neil Blomkamp's is it looked like a movie was finally going to do what the toy line capitalized on so long ago. Because it isn't even that big of a stretch. We know the alien when it's gestating, when it when it, you know before it becomes a chest burster, the embryo takes on characteristics of the creature that it's hosting within. <laughs> That's why an alien and aliens they're vaguely humanoid because they gestated inside human beings. They've got two arms, two legs, a head, a body. You know, they're vaguely human esque. They're still alien, but they're vaguely human-esque. Three went in the right direction. If it's a dog, so it runs around on all fours, cool. Crank that dial all the way to fucking 11, man. Give us yeah. that crazy Whalen yutani lab where they're making snake alien, cougar alien, gorilla alien. Get nuts with it. Get fucking Gremlins 2, the new batch, with xenomorphs. That's what I want. And then the marketing and the toy line alone will make your money back. Uh, you know what else I want? What? I want more Colonial Marines. Yes. That's, I want to see the Colonial Marines back in like full glory. Just smoking Xenomorphs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just give me the so, smart gun. Give me the uh, M1A1 pulse rifle. M41A. That's what I said. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. I... This uh, close personal friend of mine. There you go. Uh, yeah, so, so if the Colonial Marines in Alien were based on, and they definitely were, uh, Vietnam era infantry soldiers, I want to see what does a Colonial Marine look like if your basis for it is 20th century modern soldier. You know, we've got the M41A. What does the M41C pulse rifle look like? What does the next generation of body armor look like? You know, I want that shit. We got the weird jungle camo. What, you know, give me like, you know, alternate camo patterns. Like, get crazy with that shit. How many missiles does this drop ship hold on? <laughs> Fuck yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. I just like and you could go oh man, you could go crazy. Sorry, I just I just went off on a an imaginary tangent in my head of combining some sort of flying creature with an alien to get flying aliens 
fighting some sort of um like drop ship colonial marine helicopter thing in my yeah, head dude. hey hey if the drop ship is that badass if so the drop ship is essentially the huey right it drops them off where they're going what does a colonial yeah. marine gunship look like right huh yeah like yeah hi Hire John and I. We will be your creative consultants for your we next will work alien so movie. cheap. You guys don't even know. Just you know, pay off some stuff for me. Give me, give me a comfortable living, and I will crank out alien movies like it's nobody. Put business. us out in a two bedroom apartment right off the uh, the twentieth century lot, and we will crank these out for you all day, man. I just all day, every day. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Uh, going through my list of what I wanted to see. So another thing they've been teasing and talking about since 79, an idea everyone has talked about. I'd like to do this. I think we should do that. I'd like to see this. And yet we still haven't fucking gotten to. And this one, you'd have to ruffle some feathers because you'd have to completely ignore Prometheus and Covenant. But before Covenant completely took the piss out of the Xenomorph, we kept hearing about what would the Xenomorph homeworld be like? Yeah. What kind of planet do these things come from? Now, maybe they're engineered. Maybe they don't have a home planet. Okay, I'll kind of go with that. What's the engineered homeworld look like? That'd be cool to explore. The thing I really want to fucking see, which they kind of did in the uh, Prometheus Blood and Stone comic book, the the black goo, the accelerant, right? You pour it on something and it accelerates its its evolution into a weird alien killing thing. What happens to a whole planet that's been converted by that stuff? That'd be fucking awesome. Take those Marines we were just talking about earlier, drop them on that planet, where the entire planet is a xenoplanet. Taking your silence to me and I blow your mind. Oh, you just kind of cut out for a second. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, so so a whole planet that's been taken over by the accelerant. So an entire planet that's xenomorph. The foliage, the animals, everything is xenoid. And take them the marine squad we were talking about earlier. You know our yeah yeah. Drop them on that planet. Yeah yeah oh yeah. That's you know, and I was just thinking this. You've got a streaming service. I don't know how successful it would be, but what if you did a Colonial Marines sort of like Mandalorian thing where we follow the man, the Marines from system to system? Yeah. You know, you don't, because in the alien universe, you don't just have to explore the xenomorph. It's, it's got all these parts to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, uh, that'd be a great way to explore these ideas. Um, if nothing else, look at CBS and what they're doing with Star Trek. You know, their their big budget Trek movies weren't working, so they shifted gears and they're cranking out. Uh, we're we're on to three seasons of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, uh, Star Trek Picard just finished season one. And they've already announced uh, there's there's two more. There's uh, Star Trek Section 31 and Star Trek, um, oh, what's it called? Not to boldly go. Um, Strange New Worlds, which is all about Captain Pike and the Enterprise before Kirk. Um, 
so they're they're getting you know the movies were costing them too much and not making enough on return. They shifted into gears to going back to TV, which is where Trek originated from in the first place. A similar model could definitely work with Alien. The movies are costing yeah. too much. You're not getting your return on investment. Okay, fine. Downshift to a 10-episode streaming series for... It wouldn't be Disney+, Plus; it'd be Hulu. Because uh, yeah. Disney's not going to put an Alien thing on Disney+. Plus. Um, but you could do harder edged R-rated gore and blood and violence uh that fans expect from an alien movie because God help you if you make an alien movie and it's not rated R. Yeah. <laughs> you learn that on the AVP movies. Um oh. so you can you could do that on Hulu. Um it would be a great thing to get people on Hulu again. And you could do it on a modest budget <clears throat> again with unknown cast, up and coming directors. <clears throat> and look at the technology that they use to make Mandalorian, where they're using these amazing um, LED projected screens. Uh, that's even more revolutionary than blue screen technology, where you can shoot things fast and quick and cheap. You don't have to CGI in a whole alien planet. You just you, you create it in your computer. You put it up on the screens. You shoot the actors in front of the screens which is a really yeah. oversimplified way of that technology, but Google it. It's fucking amazing. Uh, Google Mandalorian LED screens. It's amazing. Uh, but you could do that on a, on a, a lower budget without, you know, spending $250 million or something. Uh, and then and again, going episode by episode, you could explore all of these ideas we're talking about. Um, I want to see more of Amanda Ripley. Her story uh, yes. never got finished. Uh, you literally left her hanging. Spoiler, if you haven't finished the game yet. Uh, but that's a great character. That's a great unexplored little section uh, of the Alien universe. You can go back to that like 1979 first Alien aesthetic of that old like 70s retro futuristic technology and stuff. The big padded walls and shit. Um, that'd be awesome to get a series of. Uh, and the last thing, I said I'd mention it. I really want to see Alien vs. Predator get a fair shot. Yes. Build those franchises up separately again, because Predator needs some TLC too, and we'll get to that on a future episode. But build the Alien brand back up, build the Predator brand back up, and then you go full Marvel and do your AVP movie. Because that concept got done wrong, and I think it could still work in the right hand. It definitely could work. Um... I'd totally be down for that. I, just, I know it's a I, lot to throw out there, but that's... Uh, I, I think we're both in the same camper. We both love this franchise. We both see the possibilities of it. Uh, I mean, Dark Horse has been publishing Alien comics for like three decades, and they haven't run out of stories to tell yet. So, what's your excuse, 20th Century Studios? Sounds so weird to say that. I have to force myself not to say Fox after I say 20th century. Uh, but yeah, there's there's infinite places you can take this franchise. Um, fuck you, Ridley Scott. The Xenomorph yeah. is done, cooked. Uh, get, the fans say get otherwise. fucking bent. That's what I say. Yeah, get yeah. over yourself. God, what an idiot. And well, it, I would love to see him get to just do a movie about artificial intelligence and make a cool sci-fi movie which is clearly what he wants to do yeah uh, without being because i I feel like it it, again 
it was all compromised. It was he wanted to make this kind of movie, but the studio wanted an alien movie, so we got this weird compromise thing. I don't know. But he's clearly not interested in telling alien stories anymore. Yeah. Fine. Sep- Thank you for your- him. Yeah. <laughs> just just remove Ridley Scott from the alien equation and thank him for his contribution of the first one. You got the whole ball rolling. We can never thank you enough for that. Right. But let us continue on with some new stuff. Yeah, Let's go the get fuck this away now. Franchise going. Um, yeah. Need to give it some CPR right now. Yeah. <sighs> and then yeah. 20th Century, uh, call us. Yeah. We'll, we'll help you out. We're easy to contact. You can find me anywhere. Uh, call call us and our buddy Neil, and we'll uh, we'll get this franchise hammered out in no time. We'll uh, we'll hook you up. Well, I think that's all we have. Jay, anything else you want to see? from the alien franchise that we haven't discussed yet any 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 corners you want to go into uh anything we didn't get to i want to i want i want us to feel like we left everything on the uh on the field i just honestly i just want to see where it is gonna go disney don't leave us hanging um give us something give us something to look forward to to hope for to continue this franchise don't let it die please Please don't let it die. I don't think they'll let it die. Uh, what we'll get and when will we get it, I don't know. Um, but we're certainly giving you some ideas of where you could go with it. Yes. <sighs> Doc, thank you for sticking with me. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's not in my programming to leave a human. Not bad for an android. Uh, well, there you go. That's the whole enchilada uh, laid out on this episode. Uh, I'm surprised we didn't go a full three hours because it's you and me talking the alien, and that could be a three-hour episode. But uh, thank you for sticking with us. Let us know what do you did we is there something we overlooked or missed? What do you think the should be next for the alien franchise? What could bring it back? Should sit on ice for a little while longer. Um, let us know. And uh, this is Obi John Kenobi and the Doc, last survivors of the Top <laughs> Thirty Two podcast, signing off. <laughs>